This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, the 30th of August 2023. Coming up, big news if you're a developer or a small company creating accessible products. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I am gorgeous, thank you, Stephen Scott. How are you? I'm good. I actually feel good today. I, you know, I, and <laughs> a couple of people Breaking have been in touch. News. Well, yeah, I know, but actually, a couple of people have been saying, you know, since I announced I was taking tablets. Uh, for for this unknown thing that everyone's now concerned about. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I, I, I kind of love the fact that you all just, you're so caring, but you're also very inquisitive. Uh, and you're all like, hey, what, what's going on? What, what, what's happening? I'm getting WhatsApp messages from people I know saying, what's going on? Uh, my wife was getting asked at work, is Stephen okay? It's Aww. like, this is beautiful, but honestly, I'm fine. I just I have to take some tablets for a little while. I may share with you why later. But mm. for the moment, I'm just, you know, some things are mine, okay? Some things are just mine. Leave, get just, out of my room. Stop <laughs> building walls. Dude. Just share with us. Let us in. We can help. Knock down those walls. <laughs> Build a wall. Make Mexico pay for it. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's on pills. He's got an excuse. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Saying. Everything from here on in is to be blamed on the tablets. Uh, but no, I am feeling a lot better. It's funny, those side effects I was telling you about, you know, those ones up to and including instantaneous death, mm. uh, they seem to have receded. I seem to be okay. Oh, very well done. You are sounding good, I've got to say. You're sounding very chirpy this morning. <sighs> well, you know, it's clean living. That's what it's all about. Well, yeah, okay. It's tablets. Always Started three days ago. Uh, but yes, I am feeling good. I am feeling good. So thank you for all your concern. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you know, just thank you for all your comments. Uh, now, oh, yesterday, right. about halfway in the show... Oh, oh hang on. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. How are you, Sean? Yes, I'm all right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for everyone's concern. I'm on about 50 the- tablets. <laughs> Where's my sympathy? <laughs> It's just I'm not a tablet taking person. I've never been, and I, is that a thing with age? I can ask yes. you because you're older than me. Uh, is this a thing with age? Yes, I've got my diabetes tablets. I've got my arthritis tablets. Oh, I <sighs> rattle. Oh, doctor's waiting room again. No. <sighs> <sighs> I think it's just for something to do. I think people are just given these tablets to keep you busy. <laughs> just stop me from moaning. Yeah, yeah. take these. And shut Take up. this and shut up. <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, Sorry, carry on. halfway through the show yesterday, I said at the break point, I said uh, at the point where we were both about to break, um, <laughs> I said, hey, coming up next, we'll be hearing from Janine, who's been uh, telling us all about our pink toolbox. And then what did I do when I came back from break? <laughs> Forgot to play in the email about the uh, pink toolbox. So I apologise, Janine. I just I remembered it last night. I was sitting thinking, was something in my mind I, I must remember. You know what I blame? I blame the, the 30 minutes we took as a little bit of a breather between the show yesterday. We, we, we stopped. the magic. No, no, no. It was only a minute or two we, we took. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, so it was. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about that as well. We, <laughs> we talked about it on the, on the outro and how my partner's got a uh, pink toolbox yeah. and she does all the DIY. And then, yeah, totally forgot about it. It's funny, so, isn't it? I was yeah. you were saying it, we have those home alone moments where you suddenly wake up <laughs> smack your face going did i take that out did i put that (laughs) did we talk about that it's like the interviews are coming up in weeks Uh, yes and we're panicking about them now (laughs) did that uh, go out (laughs) it's just that thing yeah but you know that shows that we love the show and it shows that we we care about you guys and Mm -hmm. uh it's true we care about you so much we immediately forget about you after we mention the name no honestly we we just our brains just sometimes well my brain certainly is like jelly uh but anyway um, I'm not arguing. Yes, it is. No, it's, it's hard to argue with, with facts, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, let's rectify that now. So here is our email from Janine uh, that we got. And this is about her pink toolbox and I guess some other stuff as well. Hello, gentlemen. Listening to your August 10th show, and I'm proud to say that I have a pink toolbox as well. Yay! My mother got them for my sisters and me one holiday season after we'd all moved out of the house. It's a ladies' mate toolkit from Sears, and I still have some of the stuff that came with, including the hammer, wrench, and a few of the smaller bits, mostly washers. I also have one of the Cobalt talking tape measures. 
My problem is that I don't really use it enough to remember what the buttons do, so I spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. It is a great thing to have, though. Okay, my dear spouse and I love to do those little household projects together. He's taught me to fix the toilets, unclog the sink by taking the pipes underneath apart and cleaning them, and taking the back off the dryer to clean out the lint. That last one was the best because I got to use the electric nut driver, and that sounds way too smutty for a family show. (laughs) That particular tool, though, is one of those blind-friendly things. It allows you to take off nuts and unscrew weird screws by fitting a little sleeve in place, and voila! Hit the on switch for a second and you can feel the thing doing what it's supposed to do. The tool will also stop when the thing is screwed in or comes out. I made him get me one. Do I remember I have it when I need to unscrew something? (laughs) Of course not. But it came with a cool little padded bag and the different size bits and drivers in both metric and imperial. I also love those little all-in-one Swiss Army knife types of tools and have a collection of them. Most of them either belong to my father or were given out as convention bag gifts. Then there's the Leatherman brand of devices. You can go absolutely crazy with those. Mine is now lost somewhere around here, but prior to 9-11, it was the perfect thing to take on the road as it had different sizes of screwdrivers, knives, scissors and a host of other gadgets. I could talk all day about tools and gadgets. I also loved the Blind Handyman show and the later show Around the House with the late, great Larry Turnbull. We once did a workshop at a state ACB convention teaching people to use basic tools and fix simple problems like a sink clog, a loose doorknob and how to splice wires to fix a frayed lamp cord. We called it Toilet Talk. Larry, my husband Kent and I had so much fun doing that one and the participants enjoyed it as well. So, enjoy your new toy. You now have no excuses. I'm not sure what you'd need excuses for, but hey, I've used a chainsaw to cut up dead trees. Janine, who switched out her fedora for a hard hat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how could we not play that email? It was brilliant. Oh, that was amazing. Sarah, my partner, she does all the DIY. She plumbed in that new washing machine I um, oh, wow. cured. Yes, she plumbs all that in. She she does everything. And uh, I just, I did it once. When we first got our first house together, I was putting up these uh, these curtain ties. So you put these brackets oh, yeah, on the wall. Yeah, so yeah. I got my drill out. I was being all, you know, manly, grown up. Started to <laughs> drill a hole where to put these to the wall. And... Um, after about two minutes, all the plaster fell off the wall. And um, I just curled into a ball and started crying. So I can't do it. I'm a failure of a man. And since that point, she's took over. And uh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, and, and well, why not, right? I mean, funny, my mum, growing up, that was all my mum. My mum was in charge of everything. And I said, if I wanted, you know, I'd go into my uh, little room, bedroom, and I'd want shelves up on the wall or something and she'd be in there and she'd be putting the shelves up and yep. you know she never had and there was never ever a, a time where she would ever have anyone in the house my dad and I had no clue about DIY <laughs> yes and it's funny because of course it's always presented as this kind of manly thing right but it's, it's actually not and I think it's because hmm. I don't know women actually read instructions whereas men just go we'll figure it out and I just, you know, <sighs> start hammering things into walls and, you know, yes. burst pipes everywhere. Hammering and... screws in to keep... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. I am the world's worst at DIY. I am not same, ashamed to admit it. Same time, though, I mean, a pink toolbox with... What the, what was the name Janine said it was ladies, called? Ladies... Uh, oh, I can't remember. It was ladies... No, normally it was ladies something. And you think, hang on a minute, that's, isn't that a bit... I know, it's it's like, why, why put the ladies bit on it, right? Why just... make it pink? Well, why not? Well, make it pink if you want. But, you know, why, you know, why can't they just have the brand name of whatever other one that has it, you know? I feel, I think this is the thing with companies, right? They often, they often try to include people, but they exclude people at the same time. Or they make it like a special thing. Yeah. And I just think, really, there's no need for it. You know, these days especially, just make everything in every colour and let, you know, whoever want, you know, who wants to get it. That's what it is. It's a toolbox. Starter's toolbox. but, But here's the thing, right? I mean, so... Yellow is a particularly vibrant colour for a lot of people with low vision because it's so standout and it's easily found. It's often great for, you know, like green as well, the neon and all of that, you know, with the that yeah. kind of luminous material you can get. So it's great for finding things in the dark or even finding things in low light. Um, and, you know, for us, that's that's great. So, you know, if pink is the same for you, then have it. I'm for oh, well pink. Done. Thank you. Well there done. There you go. I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it, but I'm saying it. Uh, listen, just to say as well, I mentioned at the top about uh, this this event that's happening. So CES happens every year, you know, the Consumer Electronics Show. 
of takes course. place every year in Las Vegas. And it really is the starter for 10 for the year in tech. It, it gets us going in terms of the conversation around what's coming and the kind of interest and in, in new technology that's out there. And, of course, AI is a big part of it. But, you know, you see a lot of driverless tech there as well. Some of it never gets off the ground, never gets moving at all. Uh, but it's more about the prototype. It's more about the ideas. And it's also a great place for companies to come and network. And that's the important bit for, for us today, because we're going to be joined later by Steve Yule, who is the executive director at the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. Now, that's the charitable arm of CES. And it's a not-for-profit. And what it does is it tries to get companies involved in other areas that may not be instantly profitable, but by putting them in, the, in amongst these other companies at CES, it can lead to the potential for collaboration or working together or just even awareness of products. And one thing they're doing uh, at this upcoming CES, they've done it for eight years now, is they have a contest at what's called Eureka Park. It's one of the event places at CES in Las Vegas. And uh, Eureka Park, they have this event where basically people can come along and they can showcase their products and they're giving away spaces for I think it's five companies. We'll, we'll confirm this with Steve, but five companies. And these could be small companies, small groups of people, but people making products, making apps, making whatever it is, trying to sell to older people and people with disabilities. Uh, I think this could be really, really interesting to to get involved in. So, I mean, look, I, I know most of us listening to this are thinking, well, what's this got to do with me? But I really want to get this out there because there, there, I know there are people listening from other organizations and companies. A lot of developers listen to this. So if you're building something and you want to get showcased, but you just can't afford to showcase at something like Consumer uh, Electronics Show, which is a huge event, and the world's media is on it every year, then this is the kind of thing you might want to get involved in. So we're, we're speaking to Steve today about that. I thought that would be really interesting to learn about. Uh, you know, it's all about showcase. It's all about getting in front of other companies and you know, really making the the mainstream world aware of what accessibility is, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can't sort of overstate how important that stuff is. It's almost, it sort of reminds me of the Zero Project, right? Where people get together and they yeah. share these ideas and what's going on and, and, you know, people can collaborate. And it's the same sort of thing. If uh, It's just a really handy, um, uh, what's the name for it? Would I say service? But it's a handy thing to know about for, as you said, small businesses and developers. It's if you want to get out there, then uh, there is this option. So Steve coming up a bit later, but uh, I do want to mention some of this. Breaking news. Oh, Breaking yes. news. It's, it's happened. What? It's what? happened. <gasps> yes, it has. Oh, I'm with you. Yes. <sighs> Should we leave it there? <laughs> Sean's drinking coffee. Oh, no, I wasn't with you then. I was totally... <laughs> <laughs> I sideswiped you with that one, didn't I? <laughs> you did. But you are drinking coffee. What's that about? Um... <laughs> I need liquid to survive. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, I, I must admit. You I, never drink I, coffee. You always say, oh, I don't drink coffee. I don't like coffee. I, so now I'm just like, well, okay. why are you drinking coffee then? All right. But well, this is my one coffee of the month. I, I just oh, I felt like I need, I need, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just needed a boost this morning. I, I did wake up slight, unlike you, singing and dancing as soon as you got out of bed. I was a little bit sluggish this morning. So, yes, I have a coffee with. Um, Seven sweeteners and a lot of milk, but uh, it's, it's very well. You know, I've got to be um, uh, responsible now. Diabetes, yes, so right, yeah. Just, just You've seven, cut back seven, you? seven sweeteners. Uh, uh, here's a question for you: how how do you do milk? There you go. How do you do? So there's a cow, right? And the cow, <laughs> no, no, somehow no. in its stomach. And I'm going to no. use technical terms here, and I apologise if I get a little bit agricultural on you. But Ooh. what happens is the the stomach of the cow. Right, that's uh, enough. No, yeah, gross. I, I don't really know anything beyond that. I just know well, milk comes out the bottom bit. <laughs> I, I am struggling so much with milk, and now I've got used. My fingers have toughened up that I'm pouring boiling water over them all the time. That's not a problem. Liquid level indicator, man. Come on, get one of those I, in your I, kitchen. I can't understand it. Well, you can't understand what? Beeping saying, please stop pouring. That's This enough. is a tech show. No, no, no. Right, so you get the beep where it's the, that's the hot water, and then you add the milk. How do you... What, it's always too much. The second beep is too much milk. And what's that slidey thing on the three prongs for? This is a tech show, honestly. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. The slidey thing on the three prongs. We are... We are seriously having a conversation. Right, okay. 
Next time we meet, I'm going to teach you how to use a liquid level indicator. I can't believe right. that's where we're at. We're using like all the latest apps. <laughs> we're running betas of software. We use all the latest gadgets and gizmos. And the one that eludes us is the oh, liquid mate, level indicator. No one knows everything and there's no such thing as a stupid question. I tell you what, I'm, the method I'm using at the minute well. is glugs. No, stop it. It's glugs. So glugs? I, glugs. Oh, I see. So right, yeah. It's like yeah. a, what, I, I don't know, two litre, litre bottle of milk. Yeah. And whoop, one glug and then give it another little jerk up there and uh, two glugs. I'm a four glug milker there. Um, but can you get one of those pumps? You know, like you get pumps for hand soap. Sorry, we will get back to the proper show. You know, those pumps for hand soap. Could you fill that with milk and then just do a couple of squirts? Um, I would advise against it for various <laughs> reasons. Out? Yeah, yeah, but I, I, the thing with soap, right? It's funny you say that because I did think about this for a while, but my wife has this thing. She's going to hate me for saying this, but she has a thing where she will never, you know, she will never throw away the uh, the soap pump no, no. thing. That's and, right. Could until be handy. it's complete, no, but until it's completely empty. So it's right. like you can go bump, 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 bump a million times, and you will oh, get no soap out of it. I fill it with water. You, exactly. She'll then fill it with water, and then you just yep. pour a bit out, and and we just keep doing this until some point <laughs> when we've decided that washing our hands with water and no soap <laughs> is kind of you know I'm a bit set up with that now. Yes. Um, so you know this is the thing that we do all the time, and and absolutely drives me. Oh, I'm just like really. Well then. At that point, just fill it with milk, put it by the kettle, and then you can just do Problem solved. one pump oh, well, of milk. Certainly, you're never going to wash your hands with milk and then think that's acceptable. So uh, I suppose that would work, yeah. I thought you were kind of suggesting this is a way to solve the problem. Um, yeah, well, it is a solve. It's, it, that problem is solved. I've, I've done that. But the thing is, you'll, you'll have to clean it out every time because milk goes off. Anyway, anyway so as I was saying... Breaking uh, news. Breaking news. <laughs> Months ago, we, we started talking off. about uh, this breaking news, which not about Sean drinking coffee or understanding how milk works. Um, but actually, bigger news than that, Apple's big event of the year, or well, one of the big events of the year, is coming up September 12th. It is official. Hey! Uh, Sorry. Not going, uh, just to say. Uh, no invite. Um are you sure? Did you check that email thoroughly? I've, well, I've checked that email thoroughly. It says I can watch it online <laughs> along uh-huh. with everybody else. So thanks, Apple. Uh, but yeah, so I'm uh, I'm going to watch, of course, be watching it and catching up with what's going on. We're going to be seeing new iPhones, possibly new Apple Watch, possibly a new Apple Watch Ultra 2. No. Let's talk of that. I mean, it's a bit early for it, but yeah. I mean, I suppose if they're going to bring a new one out every year, they will. But um, I don't know. I thought mm-hmm. the Ultras might have lasted, you know, a bit. Maybe like a two-year cycle rather than a one-year, but I mean, you don't you have to buy yours? it. <laughs> yeah, no. yes, yes, um, yes, you do. Yeah, I'll be honest. I do like it, but I think I think I always play this game with the Apple Watch. Of I, I sort of wear it and I think, what is this for? Um, and then you know, I, I don't probably get the most out of it. I think that's the truth. I never really get the most out of the watch because I always go back to the phone. I always think, oh, I could do it here. And there's some great yeah, things like the calendar's brilliant on it. Like I love the calendar. I love the layout. I love. A lot of the the apps you can get on there, Voice in a Can, you were talking about with uh, Lady yes. A, that's great on there. Although, you know, a bit fiddly, but it gets there. Even with the action button, it's not 100% the way I wanted it. I thought, really? or uh, the way I thought it would work. Because uh, I thought you would press the, the, you know, basically have to set up a shortcut to tell it to open the Voice in a Can uh, app on right. the watch, and you can then yeah. assign that to the action button on the left it's a bit side. Of a hackathon, right? It is a yeah. bit, yeah. But in, in theory, it should just, when you press the button, it should just open up Voice in a Can and be listening. And it does do that, but then voiceover gets in the way. So it's almost like I've got TalkBack on my phone for just about two seconds, you know, where it just yeah, yeah. talks all over exactly the top of everything it's trying yeah, to say. Because it's not embedded into the system, it's all exactly, bit, yeah. yeah. So it's not perfect, but... Um, you know, whatever you can, you can avoid. Whatever. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Actually, that's a question. Are there voiceover activities on the watch? That's a question. Such as? So you know, you know these voiceover activities where you can select. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but basically you can pair app or pair. Oh yeah, you yeah. Can set actually the voiceover control, settings. Yeah, you can control the voiceover settings. So you could say, for example, no speech, maybe on that particular app. Hmm. Mm, that's that. something to dig into. I, I don't, don't know. If that know. is a thing, though. I'm exactly the same, though. My Apple Watch is sat on my charger, and I, I just forget to pick it up because it's not a necessity. But when I do wear it, I like it. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, it's, I know. Um, 
I've it? got to say as well, while we're talking about this, thanks to Chris from New York who sent me an email all about the heart rate and the ranges. I should be in because I was talking about getting fit and um, going for a walk and not actually getting sweaty and um, exhausted when I'm going for a walk. And uh, he came in with some really helpful information about heart rates and how you work out your maximum heart rate and stuff. So thanks, Chris. How do you get around the problem? I'm asking you this. You know, let's just say one weighty man to another weighty man. Yes, um, weighty man. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. But one of the things that puts me off the watch, believe it or not, more than anything else, is that if I'm walking around town uh, or I'm doing anything, that, and, you know, and I absolutely preface this by saying I am a larger gentleman, I, you know, I'm working on that. But, you know, weighty. in the meantime, yes, I'm a weighty gentleman. <laughs> As, as as I work through that process, you know, I am sweating a lot and my arm gets really sweaty and so does my wrist. And therefore, the watch slides down all the time. So I'm forever oh. having to fix it back, you know. And then, of course, you're sweating, so it's getting worse and worse. And, you know, you cannot get the watch to just stay in place. Um, oh. I think that's a solution very, for that? very specific problem for sweaty, weighty men. Um, I, am I the only sweaty, weighty man in the world? Is, is that is that only me? It just feels like I it must, shouldn't I, be. What do, I suppose it would depend on the band. I'm just using, what is it, the sports band? The, the band that comes with it well, anyway. That, that's the thing. I'm, I'm not using the silicon band, and I'm kind of wondering if I should just go back to the silicon band. Yeah, I don't have that problem. I, I wear mine quite loose. Um I always thought you had to have it quite tight for the sensors to work at the back. but Yeah, they say not, not too tight. Not too tight, yeah, yeah. So I have it quite loose, so it sort of sits at the at the bottom of my wrist anyway. So, no, I, honestly, I don't have that problem. Mm. Sorry, can't help you. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Sweaty, um, weighty men. Sweaty, weighty men. Hashtag that if you want. Uh, God, that's going to be all don't. over internet. Oh, thank you for that. Um, so... The other big news is that Amazon is having an event as well on September 20th. Uh, now, it's still a little bit of a rumour, this, but I don't think there's been any official invites yet. But the rumour is 20th of September, Amazon will announce its slew, I love that word, slew mm. yes. of new products. Now, my question is, okay, new dots are lovely, but what are they going to do with Lady A? Is this the year they're going to actually integrate maybe some GPT functionality in there? That's what I'm interested in. It says it's a product announcement. So, yeah, we will probably get new gadgets and gizmos and toys. But usually at the beginning of it, they talk about the AI itself and the work they're doing. The only thing I find a bit confusing about Amazon events and have in the last few years is they'll talk about features, but they never really talk about when they become available. They just they seem to announce features. So say they maybe announce five features, and then over the course of the next year, those features will drop. Which is okay, I guess, but I think a lot of us just want the features right away once we've heard about them, you know, and that's the problem. We kind of hear about it and go, wow. Uh, but I think ultimately, yeah. whatever whatever they announce, I just want to see some GPT functionality in there. Well, you could say that with any technology now, to be yeah, honest. I true, just want yeah. it to be smarter. Yeah. Um, but in the case of Amazon's smart speakers, I think you're absolutely right. I don't know if it's to do with the cuts or whatever, but there's a definite drop in the um, reliability, let's put it that way, not necessarily the, the services it, it supplies, but the reliability of them um, it does seem to give me wrong answers quite a lot or mishear or whatever it may be or just not respond. So there's definitely got to be some work there. Now, whether it is going to be AI, are they just going to backdoor into chat GPT? I very much doubt it. They have said that they're working on their own AI and they have a huge cloud computing resource there available to them. One of the biggest, I think, the Amazon servers. So, um, yeah, I would hope so. But you know what? I'm not holding my breath. I think it's people are playing catch up to ChatGPT at the minute. That's why so many people are actually piggybacking off their own ChatGPT service. Mm. Um, so I think it's probably got a long way to go, but I hope so. They definitely need something there. I, I think fear... it's starting, starting to feel a little bit stale. Yeah I, yeah, I must admit, I, I fear you might be right. I think the problem is people are now using things like ChatGPT on the Bing app or they're using it online, you know, a different service. Maybe they're even just using chat.openai.com. And, you know, they're, they're starting to see the potential. And this is not, mm -hmm. I mean, okay, not everyone's using it. I admit that because a lot of people will not be even touching this stuff. But if you are in Bing and you have just even tried it, you've just asked a question, you've seen the kind of response and how it responds... You're then going back to your smart device and instantly 
when it says to you, oh, hmm, I don't know that one. And you think, uh, really? Why not? Really? Yes. Do you know what, though? It's not so much the questions and answers for me, because as impressive as AI is, excuse me, <clears throat> as impressive as AI is, it's um, it still has those, I hate using this word, but that's the term that's been adopted, hallucinations. It makes mistakes. Yeah. For me, it's the ability to talk the, the way it understands language. And that's the whole point, right? The, the natural language. Um, so to be able to talk to your smart speaker and, you know, say, turn my heating on uh, for an hour and also, you know, turn my lights off at three, just a normal sentence with multiple commands in it. And the ability to understand and act on that uh, reliable and consistently is the thing where AI will make a huge difference. So, you know, call Annie, for example, and the thousand other apps like it. That conversational um, tone and aspect to it is the key. Something like that as a smart speaker would be absolutely amazing. And I think that's the point here. I don't care what resources you're drawing on. If you just want to do a Google um, search to answer my question, that's absolutely fine. But the AI comes in for me in the interface, if you like, talking to it and getting responses from it. It would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do, like I said, I do feel you're right with um, the, the slow roll out of this because I think what's likely to be happening is there's work going on in the background to get Amazon's own large language model ready rather than piggybacking off GPT or, or OpenAI. I think that's probably the case. So yeah, you're, you're probably right. But I will be interested to see what they bring out. I mean, what can they do this year that's going to be standout other than the typical consumer-led buy more stuff, you know, use more dots? Um, uh, yeah, exactly. That's why I mentioned... Boulder. Fit- feeling a little bit stale and to be fair you could levy this at anything you know the, the apple event with the next iphone you know what's what's going to be new it all feels like you know the same as before there's there's you can't have a killer feature or, or a killer product every year so mm. it just feels where what's left to go for on the smart speaker you know after, after the um, last generation it's all been very small changes um, so I mean, they're, I, yeah, they're faster is more responsive i mean i'll be honest i'm still using yeah, but my are they well, about more responsive, at least. I mean, if you compare the first edition to the latest edition, you do notice a difference in terms of responsiveness and time of responsiveness. In terms of the accuracy, actually, it doesn't matter which one you're using because they all give you the same response. Exactly. Yes. So you know, it's just the only thing you're noticing is that it will respond a little bit quicker. But that is really the only difference in terms of sound. I'm still sitting here with my Echo Dot third gen, which I think is brilliant. The hockey yes. puck one, and uh, you know, the, or the fat hockey puck, as I like to call it. That, um, you know what? I've noticed the difference between that and the fourth gen dot, the the cricket ball one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have noticed the difference. I actually, I used the gen three in here because it was more reliable. Uh, I've noticed on the dot four, for example, that I use in in the shed now, that sometimes after I say the wake word, say ten times, it will stop listening. I need to turn mm. it off and plug it back in again for the wake word to start working or go into the app and change the wake word and then change it back. Yet with the Gen 3, that never happens. But I'm using the Dot 4 because it's got presence detection. So as soon as I walk in here, it turns all my stuff on. And if I'm if so it doesn't nice. detect anything for 15 minutes, it turns it all off. So that is a really handy feature. But it's those weird quirks in there. You think, well, why is that different? Because it is basically the same thing. It's strange. Mm. Uh, Let's we'll take a break. Coming back with Steve Yule. He is the executive director at the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, the charitable arm of CES. More uh, from him coming up and a big contest for developers and creators of products for older people and people with disabilities. That's next on Double Tap. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air and on Mastodon at Double Tap. And today on the show, I am pleased to say that we are bringing you Steve Yule. He is the executive director at the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. It's the non-profit arm of CES. That's the Consumer Electronics Show that takes place every single year in Las Vegas. And it's a fantastic opportunity for people to learn all about the latest technology. But more importantly, next time around, 2024, uh, accessibility is going to be a key component of it. And uh, with us now is Steve Yule. To tell us more. Steve, great to have you here on Double Tap. Oh, I'm happy to do it. I, you know, big fan of the the coverage that you all do, and especially as you uh, 
you know, look at the uh, opportunities around accessible technology. So uh, love being able to join you and, uh, you know, highlight some of the things going on. Yeah. And, you know, for people who aren't aware of the, the CTA Foundation, maybe explain what it is you guys do. Sure. So the CTA Foundation is the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. So we are the charitable arm of an organization that's a, a trade association. Um, we were started about 10 years ago as a way for the technology industry to give back. Um, the association uh, has actually, they're ramping up towards their 100th anniversary. They've been around uh, a little bit longer. Um, and they're probably best known for running a trade show every year called CES. Um, but yeah, essentially our foundation was started as a way to give back on behalf of the industry. And when we started it up, we looked around at what, um, type of, uh, philanthropic work our industry does. And there's a lot of great, uh, efforts underway. There's, you know, green tech sustainability, there's kids in STEM education, but really we looked around and realized there were two growing yet often overlooked demographics that we thought technology could make a big difference in, and that is older adults and people with disabilities. So we focused our foundation on um, using technology to help older adults and people with disabilities, and we do that through a, a variety of different uh, methods. But, uh, you know, that's essentially, um, you know, what the CTA Foundation is. And it's so vital, isn't it, that accessibility for all people is at the heart of what CES is about, because, of course, accessibility, a disability, can impact on everybody. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, sometimes I like to joke that we're doing this because it'll, you know, help us out as much as it will help anyone else out. Uh, yeah. this, you know, but it is. it. You know, when you make technology accessible and usable um, for people, you're going to help people of all ages and all abilities you know, live, work, and play independently. So that's where I really get excited about the opportunities for uh, technology to, to make a difference in this space. Um, and I see a lot of uh, exciting things coming forward. And one of the things I've really loved seeing is the conversation advance over the, the last few years of, you know, going from kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we think about accessibility to, no, accessibility is important. This is a, a key piece of uh, technology and the you know the, the development process. And you know things are not perfect. Uh, I wish it was, but uh, you know there's still more work to be done. But we're seeing a whole lot more attention coming in this space. You know, when people talk about accessibility for the first time with an organization or with an individual in a company, the first sort of part of it is usually based around regulation. They often hear it from that perspective. We must do this because it's the law. Do you find that or do you think that conversation's changing to it's the right thing to do? Yeah, you know, that. I mean, there's certainly still a piece of that. Um, but we are seeing more and more um, companies uh, understand that um, it's kind of the right thing to do. And it's also just, it, you know, I come at it from a, a philanthropic, you know, foundation perspective, mm. um, but it's also just, it's not charitable work. Uh, there's business opportunities for these companies uh, by by doing this. So, um, you know, I think that has been a, a message that has gone a long way to, you know, help some of these companies understand the opportunities uh, that come from building technology that works for as many people as possible. And there are a lot of disability advocates who will be cheating that you're saying that because they've been saying it for decades and it feels like finally someone's listening. And I think it's that key point. Disabled people are customers too. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with that. And I'll also say, yes, I am absolutely, you know, standing on the, the shoulders of, uh, you know, the, the many giants who have been working in this space for um, for decades um, to advance, you know, disability rights. Um, but that's where, you know, I really see um, the importance of our foundation is, you know, certainly, you know, CTA, the, the association uh, has uh, a big team that focuses on uh, policy and, you know, working uh, on various legislation and, and other pieces like that. From a foundation perspective, I'm not as engaged directly in that work. 
I'm really looking at what are the the partners and the organizations we can work with that are going to make a direct impact on the the lives of older adults and people with disabilities. So, you know, we do that through a variety of different activities. So really kind of co- three core pillars, we like to, to call it, uh, one of which is convening. So really it's having those discussions, bringing together um, leaders from industry, from disability advocacy organizations, from, you know, government, academia, other uh, key stakeholders to come together and talk about what's working, what's not working, how can we better form the types of partnerships that will really you know, help uh, build the types of technologies that we're all looking to uh, find. You know, the second uh, you know, core pillar for us is really promoting the innovation uh, of the types of technologies that can work in this space. Uh, we do that through a, a variety of different efforts, uh, one of which I think we'll, we'll dig into a little bit more, mm. but uh, it's a contest we have every year where we give away a few uh, booths uh, at CES uh, for technologies that um, can help either older adults or people with disabilities. We do a big pitch competition at CES every year, uh, which highlights uh, several exhibitors uh, at the show. And really, you know, it's a great opportunity to uh, just feature some of the the incredible innovations uh, going on from startups from all over the world. Um, and we do other uh, events along those lines, really as a way to be that, you know, that carrot to help, uh, you know, draw companies into understanding the importance in this, uh, recognize the companies that are doing it really well, but also, you know, catch the attention of other companies that might say, hey, I can get a, a whole lot of other attention uh, if I start to uh, look at this space. And then our last pillar is our funding. So we are a, a charitable sure. foundation. We're not a, a gigantic uh, foundation, but we do uh, support uh, nonprofit organizations um, all over the United States. So our, our funding is uh, U.S.-based, uh, but working with you know a lot of disability uh, service organizations, some aging uh, service organizations uh, on using technology uh, to, to benefit the populations that we're focused on. Now, that contest you're talking about, that is coming up again, and you're offering opportunities in the exact space you're talking about. People who are creating, who are developing, who are building products, services, apps, whatever it might be, who might be uh, interested in showcasing that and getting to a wider audience, and CES is definitely the place you want to to be doing that. Uh, You're offering uh, spaces for people to to get involved and, and, and showcase, right? Absolutely. So yes, it's called our Eureka Park Accessibility Contest. And Eureka Park is the startup area of CES. Um, Last year, we had around a thousand startups from all over the the world exhibiting there. But essentially, every year, we take five booths uh, that the foundation uh, takes. We run this contest, uh, and we are looking for startups that have technologies that can benefit either older adults or people with disabilities. They don't need to be uh, focused solely on those populations. Uh, it can be a, a general consumer technology product. But what I want is the um, their submission to be able to explain why their technology can help either older adults or people with disabilities. Um, we are going to be going through, uh, you know, Entries from, uh, it is limited to Canadian and U.S. companies. Uh, so, uh, but Canadian or U.S. companies that are Eureka Park uh, eligible uh, startups uh, can apply. We will be giving them a, a free booth uh, at CES. We will be giving them uh, $2,500 uh, each because we know it costs money to be in Las Vegas for CES. And we want to uh, make sure that these uh, companies have a chance to uh, be there and showcase their uh, technologies there. And then we give them a ton of attention. So we'll be picking five companies. We'll give them a a lot of recognition. They tend to have a booth kind of right up in the front of uh, Eureka Park as people are are coming in. Uh, We do a variety of different activities, uh, engage with the the media throughout the week to kind of help point them their way. Um, And we've had some really uh, incredible successes over the years as we've seen you know, companies continue to grow and come back uh, year after year um, based on some of the contacts they're able to, to make at CES. So, um, yes, we're running that contest right now. Uh, the deadline is coming up. Uh, it is September 7th. So uh, encourage people if they are if they know companies or are interested in applying, um, if they go to CTA Foundation 
Tech. So that's CTA as in Consumer Technology Association Foundation Tech, T E C H. Um, right there on our homepage, there'll be a link uh, to the uh, uh, contest page with all the rules, the application, all of that. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to uh, see uh, what companies uh, win this year. You'll also be able to see on that page, uh, this is actually the eighth year that we've run this contest. So on that page, you can see all of our past winners. Um, so you can see some examples of the types of companies that have uh, participated and and one in the past. So yeah, I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite activities to do each year. Yeah, and like you say, the exposure is just incredible for these uh, companies, and often quite small companies, I would imagine, who are not likely to ever get that kind of exposure without something like the the CTA and and the the CES uh, working together on this. Uh, For people who go along and for people who kind of been to CES myself, you know, going in there, I mean, it's... it's I say going in there, I mean, what, what hotel are we talking about, of course, because there are so many places where CES appears, it takes over pretty much in Las Vegas. But when people come along and they do come along to the accessibility stands, what are their reactions from your understanding? Because for a lot of people, I guess this is the first time they might have even heard about accessibility in the, in the sense of making their products available to people with disabilities and so on. Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. I think that sometimes this is a, an opportunity to expose more people to accessibility and why these uh, technologies are, are so important. Uh, but that's where we've seen such great success from some of these uh, past winners where, you know, they've had, you know, some of the, the large global brands that have, uh, you know, come by their booth and, you know, formed partnerships around, you know, how to integrate some of their technologies mm. into you know, other uh, types of, uh, of products. We've had, you know, companies, uh, you know, go from Eureka Park onto a Shark Tank and uh, be able to, to pitch their uh, products on, on you know, their show. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, companies be able to close rounds of funding, uh, which, you know, and when you're dealing with these startup companies, uh, you know, funding is key uh, to be able to, to keep uh, developing your product and uh, be able to continue to, to build it and get it out onto to the market. Um, so I think it, that's one of the areas where I think this is so critical for us to do these types of activities at CES is to you know, showcase um, that these companies are really developing some incredible innovations around um, assistive technology um, and you know, general technology that have the accessibility built into it. But that's also only one piece of what we're looking at doing at CES. So we'll have you know, this year we're going to have an entire track uh, dedicated to accessibility content. Um, I know our, our conference program is in the middle of diving through all the submissions that came in for, for speakers. So uh, I have no doubt that we'll have some incredible panels and sessions talking about accessibility. But one of the big things we've been doing over the last few years is also um, expanding that conversation. So certainly we'll have the accessibility track of content, but you know, for instance, last year we had a panel that was part of the AI track that had uh, four people on the stage, all of which had different disabilities, um, but talking about AI. So they um, weren't necessarily there to talk about um, disability specifically, but they could talk about AI from their experience, whether they were someone in a wheelchair, whether they were someone who was blind, someone with hearing loss. Uh, someone with a, a cognitive disability, and you know, help explain you know the importance uh, around uh, AI technology for different uh, disability populations, um, and we look to try to get more uh, representation across uh, the v- various uh, tracks of content at CES uh, covering these topics. Yeah, CES is the most important event of the year as far as I'm concerned and as far as most tech journals are concerned because it does really start the year off with a sense of where we're going and where we could be going because of course the great thing about CES is you see a lot of products that are not products that might ever make it to market but it's about the ideas it's about bringing out the ideas and 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 bringing together conversations that you know like you say can help get funding can help move products forward and and all of that and I think that the fact that you're Focusing in a way, and this is what I'm so proud of with you guys, you're you're actually focusing on accessibility in a number of different ways. You're not just boxing it off and saying, this is the accessibility bit. You're saying, look, this, this accessibility is everywhere. AI is a great example of that. 
And, you know, that I remember that particular talk. And, you know, that was a really interesting discussion because it took us out of the idea of we are the other. It made us part of the conversation. And I think if more organisations did that, this would be a much better world. And I think the fact that you're leading on this is fantastic because the other companies are there. They're watching. Hopefully they're listening. Steve, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been great talking to you. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate the work that you do covering uh, these topics. And I look forward to seeing what more we can do together in the future. So thank you for having me. Yeah, Steve, thank you. And uh, Sean, a really interesting conversation, of course, with Steve there. And showing the the fact that CES is really, you know, this, especially in 2024, going to be a place where accessibility is you know, going to be a focus, which I think is fantastic. I mean, it feels in one way about time, uh, probably <laughs> yes. a bit late, some would argue, but I think this is this is good, I mean, especially at such a mainstream event. Uh, exactly. CES is huge. Um, but for me, it's, it's more as an end user, as someone who just uses the you know hardware or software of these companies, just seeing the work that other organizations are doing in the background to push accessibility or to give startups a helping hand. I love this stuff because it's stuff you don't really hear about. But we've spoken to a few organizations who, who, as I say, sort of almost work in the background as from an end user point of view. I wouldn't know about this other than this, right? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. And there seems to be more and more of these organizations coming together and trying to get people talking, uh, developers or hardware manufacturers talking together for the benefit of accessibility. I, I love this stuff. So that's uh, all happening. So if you are a developer or creating products or apps or whatever it might be, then here's a chance to showcase that and uh, get to CES. I mean, even paying for your flight to get there. I mean, that's fantastic. I so I want some attention and $2,500. So can, can we start we build a company? Something? Yeah. <laughs> No, we can't. <laughs> I, think, I think we need to a double tap branded uh, liquid level indicator. And a milk dispenser. And a milk dispenser, <laughs> just for Sean. <laughs> oh, there's got to be something out there that would do the milk dispensing. That's actually not a bad idea. The more I'm thinking about that, that's not a bad idea. But Thank then, you. you know, if you use the mm. liquid level indicator properly, you wouldn't have that problem. I, I need to teach you how to use this thing. Anyway, right. um, let's hear from Doug. Uh, let's get a voicemail from Doug because he got in touch regarding uh, laptops. I was, remember I was talking about that PC uh, that I was looking at buying, it was like 150 pounds, maybe 200 dollars yes. or so, and it was the uh, the sort of cheaper end, but you know, rather powerful PC. Well, Doug wants to chime in on computers. Hello, fellas. It's Doug Levins calling from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, about several different issues. Um, the first one, you fellows have been extolling the virtues of Lenovo for some time. Mm-hmm. Not lately, but uh, anyway, I have a Lenovo idea pad and it was a bad idea oh. um, it's terrible I don't like it Lenovo oh. bandage doesn't work it's just junk anyway so much for Lenovo <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I understand that Sean has a Mac Mini um, I have one too and I don't know how to use it uh, my daughter helped me set it all up through the Apple Disability Desk, and um, I'm afraid to touch it because I don't know anything about the OS and uh, stuff like that. So if either you fellows or anybody out there has an idea as to where I can get some uh, blindness-specific or friendly tutorials on how to use this thing, I would appreciate it. That's it. Take care. Have a great show. Enjoy it. Uh, thank you, Doug. Um, okay, so listen, first point on the Mac Mini, uh, or at least in the learning the Mac Mini thing, um, I, I remember we had uh, that news recently about the VO Starter app, voiceover exactly. starter app on the iPhone. Uh, well, apparently, uh, Michael Doiz, who uh, has created that, is working on a Mac version, which I think is brilliant. Yes, it, it's um, needed. So many of these, um, yeah. Android is great. Talkback on Android is great for giving you a, a guided tour as soon as you turn turn on Talkback. Um, iOS, not so. Um, <laughs> Chromebook, great for giving you a, a, a quick how-to, getting started with the screen reader. I think this is something that needs to be there. Um, so, yeah, VO Starter would be great on the Mac. I would also say um, 
There are lots of resources out there. The first one that springs to mind for me when we're talking Apple is, of course, Apple Viz. If you go to appleviz.com, I think the first couple of uh, links on there are for you know a start getting started guide for both iPhone and the Mac. So that may be uh, a place to start as well. Yeah. As for the Lenovo IdeaPad, no, this is an interesting one because uh, you're right, I do extol the virtues of Lenovo and I've been using Lenovo now for a long time. I never used Lenovo before. I was always using Dell or HP or even Toshiba back in the day. Um, although their laptops, I, th- I think Toshiba's finished now, isn't it? With the laptop line, I don't think they do that anymore. I wouldn't like to say, but I haven't had great experiences. With but they weren't great. They weren't great. I, mean, I, I, had, they um, were. yes. I had the Portage for a while. Oh, did you? Yeah, do you know what? It sounds a lot nicer than it was. They they fixed it in the end. I think there was a version that came out that certainly had a bit more um, strength to it. But, you know, if you wanted a laptop with a detachable screen that was not meant to be detachable, the Portage <laughs> was the laptop because uh, that screen would just fall off. It was a bizarre thing. Um, not the most well-built. Uh, but, you know, again, I will say that there was a, a later version. But, you know, it's all very well saying there's a later version, right? But it's like, but yeah, but I bought this one. I don't care no, about the exactly. later version. I'm but not going to go and buy f- another one. To be fair, there were some uh, like affordable. I think there were some of the most affordable ones. Uh, some of the Toshibas. I remember getting Toshibas for the kids when they were at school. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, early, earlier in the years. I mean, like early on, some of the stuff was brilliant. Some yeah. Of the best built actually. Um, but you know, the problem. I think what happened was when they started slimming down the laptops. That's when the problems started because often the thicker, bigger built ones I thought were much better. The gaming laptops are really good now because they're so well built. Yes. Uh, because they have to be with all the the power that's inside them and also the, the you know the, the heat and the dissipation of that. But anyway, that aside, the Lenovo IdeaPad. Now that is the entry level for Lenovo products. So if you're not finding it great, then that's not a huge surprise. I wouldn't maybe go so far to call it junk but it's maybe i think it all depends on the processor inside it i think it depends on the the power the ram all this can have an impact the one i always used was the thinkpad now thinkpads are notoriously expensive as well that's why everyone i've bought has been secondhand or refurbished i've never bought a new one uh the latest one i'm using very kindly lenovo did send me uh, which, by the way, was a refurbished. I just thought I did mention that. But um, it was. And it's great. It's an absolutely brilliant machine, and I've always enjoyed it. But, you know, it is horses for courses, right? Some people just love a particular brand or a particular style. Some people don't mm. like the keyboard. Um, I just happen to like that particular brand, but it doesn't mean you need to. Uh, and, you know, I will say that that idea pad, like you're mentioning there, it is on that entry-level scale. So perhaps, and I have played only for moments with the idea pad in stores. I actually thought it was quite a nice laptop. I thought it was well built, same keyboard style and all the rest. So nice, but not for I would you, love Doug. To know. That's fine. I would love to know what the problems are, Doug. If you want to get back to us with what the exact problems you're having, then maybe we can help. Yeah. The, the Vantage software, by the way, you don't have to use. Uh, it's mainly no. for updating. So I actually uninstalled it on mine and simply use Windows Update to download any drivers or BIOS updates. Windows so, does um, it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, did you see that tip the, the, recently, the, the tip about installing Windows 11, if you want it without all the bloatware? When you're installing it for the first time, choose English World as the language. It doesn't install all the solitaire and all the garbage that goes with it. Wow, I did not know that. English Just World. In time. Just in time before we go as well. And that's it for Beautiful. today. We're back tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.